You're listening to This Life Explains It All. With the creators of Vera, your guide for navigating a conscious life. We're Stefania Romeo and Catherine Griffiths. This Life Explains It All was created out of belief that our life experience is our greatest teacher. And as soul sisters and intuitives, we've spent the past decade completely obsessed with better understanding our minds and our bodies, all while running a mile a minute with busy careers as leaders in the tech startup world. On this podcast, we are bringing you the insights and lessons that have changed our lives with the thought leaders, healers, and dreamers behind them. We're discussing wellness practices, healing methods, and experiences that get us to think differently about life and live empowered. Whether you want to uplevel your health, your career, your relationship, or are going through changes to your life path, this information can help you get there and let you know that we're right here with you. We believe life isn't meant to be lived linear, and no matter where you are right now, you're right on time. Hey guys, Stefania here. Do you ever feel like you're carrying around extra weight that doesn't feel like it's yours? Do you ever wake up in the morning with puffy eyes or a swollen face thinking, that's not me in the mirror? Okay, same. So much of this I've learned is caused by inflammation in our bodies. It comes from our lifestyle and all the things that come with living in the modern world. The solve to all of this for me has been Saqqara. I absolutely love their meal programs. They have the most delicious plant-based meals that are easy, delicious, detoxifying, and they also have a more hardcore level two detox, which is my personal favorite. This program really works. It's changed my body, my skin, my mental clarity. I've gotten so many friends and family onto this program. Even my mom and dad are super into it. If you want to check it out, Sakara is offering a 20% off discount for the Vera community with code XOVERA at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's code XOVERA. You can find the link in the episode show notes. Use code XOVERA for 20% off your first order from Sakara. And reach out to me if you have any questions. Hey guys, I'm Katherine Griffiths. And I'm Stefania Romeo, and you're listening to This Life Explains It All, Vera's podcast. Today, we're welcoming back the lovely Haley Lott. Haley is a breathwork teacher and a meditation and yoga instructor. She has a unique style working alongside sound and breath with an approach that's rooted in self-love and getting back to our authentic selves. That's where all the good stuff happens. Yeah. And we hosted Haley back on episode 21, where we talked about how to remember who we truly are and navigating our relationships with our parents. Haley actually hosts the Mind Game podcast with her father, Ronnie Lott. We asked Haley to come back on the podcast to talk about some of the themes that actually we've been talking about with Haley outside of the podcast. She's become a dear friend since we met her through this podcast and through Vera a while back. And we've been talking a lot about the limiting beliefs and negative self-talk that so many of us have, either consciously or subconsciously, and how that impacts us and how we can release those stories we are telling ourselves where we aren't enough, where we are telling ourselves that we need to be different in order to be accepted, why we shy away from certain parts of our authentic selves. And we get really raw and share our own experiences. I share something very personal around how I have felt in this space of my life as well. And we also talk a lot about breath work, which has been an incredible experience for me lately. What's really going on in our bodies when we're doing it, how you can use it, 
and so much more. This is a really beautiful, raw, open conversation. You'll notice in this episode, it was just Haley and I chatting. Thankfully, Catherine is here now to lead us into the episode. We talked about where we have limiting beliefs and negative self-talk, and we get into a lot of detail there. Kat, where do you feel like you have negative self-talk or limiting beliefs that come through in those stories that you're telling yourself, either consciously or subconsciously? Mm, Yeah. I mean, this definitely comes up a lot for me, or it has definitely come up for a lot for me in the past, and I've become more aware of it now. But I think I've realized over the years and the recent years that I am very hard on myself. And it's almost like the limiting belief is not good enough. And it comes out in several situations. I think in work-related situations in my whole career, that's when it comes out. Like, oh, you could have done that better. You should have spoken and you didn't speak. Just all these things that manifest in work-related situations that go back to that belief of you didn't do it good enough or you're not good enough. I definitely relate to that. You should have spoken and you didn't speak. I feel like I used to do that all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause it's like that fear of getting it wrong is bigger than just doing it. And I think it comes down to, for me, just accepting myself as I am instead of like constantly oh, like trying to improve. I think it's good to improve and get better, especially in a work scenario, but it's that constant, you could have done it better versus just saying, you know what? I accept myself today exactly as I am. Sure. Tomorrow, maybe I can show up a little differently, but here are the ways that I did a really great job on whatever it is. Yeah. That's something that I relate to too, because I feel like you said, like, I always want to get better, but I think that it doesn't serve any of us to align our areas for improvement or where we want to grow to our own self-worth or not being good enough in the moment. Like we are innately good enough. We are innately worthy and separately we can evolve, grow and develop ourselves. So I feel like that's been something I've been thinking about a lot is separating those two things. Exactly. Yeah. Because I think especially when you're in this space of self-improvement and like there is so much of that that messaging around, like, this is what you can do today to be better. This is how you can improve yourself or have peace. And I think that it's great. And I've learned so much from that and I continuously learn, but I think sometimes it's also just like, just be like, just be what you are on that day. And don't worry so much about changing yourself. Cause I think that that message can be dangerous if you're continuously doing that every day. The other thing that just, that I was just thinking of, it's like very early on in my career and even throughout my career, I remember when I would have performance reviews and they were always really good. And I was so surprised. I'm like, what is going on? Like, I don't understand. I didn't say this to the person because that wouldn't be ideal. But I remember, I remember the first review I ever had was like, I was really young at the courtyard, but I was working at the courtyard by Marriott and I 
had a, a glowing review from my boss at the time. And I just couldn't believe it because I was so hard on myself. And I thought that I was doing a horrible job. And he was like, you're amazing, blah, blah, blah. And I remember telling my dad that. And he said, you have to be careful with that kind of mentality because, and you definitely don't want to tell them that you feel that way. <laughs> but that's how I kind of knew that there's definitely a little bit of a misalignment where I'm being super hard on myself when it's really not the actual case. Wow. That's so interesting. I feel like that's like the perfect thing to unpack with a therapist. So I really love this conversation with Haley. It felt like an opening of, you know, our own minds and thoughts and hearts of a lot of the personal, real things that we as women tell ourselves that we have fears around, that we project negativity on ourselves around and how we can overcome it. Haley is so amazing. She has this amazing, I mean, the only way to say it is really like she is like a high vibrational energy person. And that definitely comes across in this interview. She definitely is. I remember our first interview with her and I just felt so uplifted after. She just has such an amazing energy around about her. Yes, she's amazing. Yeah. Okay, before we get into this episode, there's a couple of things that we want you to know about. First, we are having a free workshop for this community. Everyone is welcome. Time will be communicated soon. And you voted for this one. This is for you. It is a mind, body, nervous system soothing workshop. And there's going to be some physical elements and some physical things that we'll do together. This came out of a lot of people sharing that they're feeling drained, burnt out, want support. And so we're going to be doing this together. If you want to be on the invite for the event, make sure that you're signed up for our newsletter. In the show notes, there is a link where you can sign up for our newsletter. So sign up. And when you sign up for our newsletter, you will also get our four-week guide to projecting more confidence. One of our most engaged with and interacted with themes since we've been doing this has been when we talk about things like the language that you can swap and the language changes that you can make to project more confidence in your conversations, the exercises and journal practices that you can do to unblock limiting beliefs around your own confidence and worth. And so we have aggregated all of the practices that are most effective, that have research behind them and put together this four-week guide to get you projecting greater confidence at work, in life, to have conversations more easily. And it's a really beautiful piece of work. And we're excited to share it with you when you sign up for the newsletter. So click that link in the show notes and there'll be lots more to come. So let's get into this conversation with Haley. There was a catalyst for us sharing more on this stuff when you hosted a fire ceremony at your home a couple of weeks ago. And there was a few of us girls talking about what we wanted to release. And there was this through line that came up for everyone, which had something to do for all of us around negative self-talk and limiting beliefs and the things that we tell ourselves or that we believe about ourselves that really don't serve us and that are really not true. Mm -hmm. 
So that felt like the catalyst for some of these other things. And then since then, we've also had a really beautiful breathwork session and done a bunch of release around that. And I thought it could be great to talk about both of those things Mm -hmm. today and share that with the community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You painted the perfect picture. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And it's cool to even be able to reflect on how there was this thread that went through all of the women that we are with that what they shared. And I remember after our breathwork session, I said to you, like, one of the reasons why I felt so inspired after the fire ceremony is because I sat in the circle with you guys and saw how inspiring, beautiful, intelligent, just amazing, magnificent women that we were with. And like, wow, these people also have negative self-talk. This is something that's common. But if I can see myself the way that I see them, that's, powerful, magnificent, strong, all the things I see in you guys, like what's possible in that space? I love that. And that resonated with me when you had that insight, because it's true. I think that so many times we look around at our friends, our community, people we look up to and say, and we're so, I want to say impressed, but that's kind of a weird way to say it, but we're so supportive of Mm -hmm. what they're doing. And we cheerlead for them and are behind them and believe in them. I think that's really the word that I'm looking for, but sometimes we don't do that for ourselves. And, and we all have this common thread of the limiting beliefs and the things that we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you think about what is negative self-talk, like how do limiting beliefs come up in the way that we talk to ourselves or what we believe about ourselves? What does that look like for you? What does it look like for what you see happening? Yeah. I think for me, And a lot of the reading I've done or like research or study I've done into this, what works for me is imagining this self-talk as like, I give it a voice. So it has a voice and then I have like different almost personas for each part of my self-talk if like we're really getting into it. And this is from the, the book, The Dark Side of the Light Chasers. I may have talked about it that night, I forget, but Uh, This woman, Debbie Ford, this is her idea where she says, start naming these different personalities that you have. So I have like, you know, a sassy Sophia or like a bossy Brianna or something like that. And why I love that technique or practice is because it separates the negative self-talk from myself because we've all felt, you know, sometimes we internalize and, and think and believe that these voices are us. But the practice and the work and the difference or shift happens when we give ourselves space. So giving it like a funny name or a personality brings like a little humor to it and helps you step away from it and recognize that this isn't who you are. This is just a part of you. And also the next step of it is naming it, but also asking it what it needs. So sometimes the sassy part of me really needs me to be slower or me to be a little more gentle or compassionate or kind. And that's different for each of us. And for some reason, that's like the fun, easy way for me to approach negative self-talk. This isn't who I am. I hear this voice in my head. I hear the way that I'm talking to myself that doesn't, it doesn't feel good. What's the name of this person? What part of this is like asking for attention, if that makes sense. Because that's what I think the voices that we hear, the self-doubt, the negative self-talk is, is just really a part of ourselves that needs attention in that moment. Like it's kind of a cry out for help. I see it. Yeah. If you're comfortable, what is an example of something that comes through as 
negative self-talk. Yeah, I have a good example because it's something that I feel like I'm slowly breaking through and it's so great to see the progress. It's bumpy, but this belief around finances, which is, I don't know what I'm doing. So that would come up in like uh, taxes or really anything money-wise. I would just immediately say, I don't know what I'm doing. And I wouldn't even try because the voice was so loud. And I, with coaching and with support from other people, it was like, an opportunity for me to address this belief that was clearly here, clearly not helping me, clearly making me feel bad, clearly holding me back. And then it was separating myself. This isn't me. This is just a part of me. And what's possible if I let go of that story? What do I want to create? What really matters? What's important for me to create letting go of that story? And then what's the new belief that I can replace that old belief, which is, I figure it out most of the time. Yeah. I've figured things out before. Most of the time, it's a little bit more complicated in my mind. So maybe if I just try. Yes. Yeah. I, I can definitely relate to that in other arenas where it's like something comes up that you just say, I'm not good at this. I'm going to shut down. Or this isn't something where like maybe I've been externally validated yet and I just shut down mm-hmm. and I think, oh, that's not me. But I think that thinking about what's the new story and just kind of moving through it and seeing what happens can be really powerful. Yeah. And it's like a practice. I was telling my coach, you know, (laughs) I've been working on this and it's been really challenging because it's so present for me. It's like a thought I've believed my whole life. And so there's this desire of like, oh, I have a new thought. I know that I figured it out. And it's like, I want to be there. I want to be at the end of the finish line where I already have the new thought, that old thought's gone, but it's still part of my like existence right now. And so what's helped me is being super compassionate with myself of like starting a new thing, starting a new thought, starting a new anything. It's, you kind of suck at the new thing for a while. And then eventually it's who you are. It's the way you be and the way you show up, but it takes time to get there. So that's just been something for me that's really helpful of like, okay, cool. You did the work. Cool. You have this new belief. You know where you want to go. You're a genius. You figured this out. You're enlightened. Okay. But you actually have to keep practicing. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. How is it for you? Well, so I'll share what came up for me specifically in that ceremony. And then I've been thinking about it a lot since then. So as I was writing out, what are the things that I want to release, the negative self-talk, the things I'm telling myself, I recognize in that moment that a lot of it has to do with the things that I tell myself or the things that I do around looking to be accepted by others Mm -hmm. who I believe that I am different than. Mm -hmm. So to put this in context, in my work, I deal with a lot of different kinds of people. I work with a lot of different kinds of people. I talk about potential projects and pitch with different kinds of people. And sometimes I find myself with those who are my vibrational match, I'll say, where, you know, I have a very, I think, multi-layered holistic approach to the things that I do, where I do have a business background and I'm strong there, but I also love all of these other more intuitive things as well. And some of the woo-woo things. I mean, I do love astrology. I have been helped by energy healing and I can be that person at the same time as I can be a strong businesswoman. But I've been in a lot of rooms where I've been asked either explicitly or inexplicitly to hide that part of myself or to dim that part of myself in order to be taken 
more seriously or accepted by certain people. And I am so grateful that I've been able to build some more awareness around that because I reject that now. And I think that we can be strong businesswomen and be into a lot of this other stuff that are tools that help us as well. But that was pretty deep rooted for me because as I went back and like I've done subconscious work and done other kinds of digging into where is this coming from? I think that like there's been an element all throughout my life where I never felt like I fully fit in with any particular group. And it's been fine. I've not been traumatized or anything by it. And in some ways I've probably cultivated it myself, but I think that there's this thing of of acceptance and being in the club. And I've talked about this a little bit in other podcasts, even in my career experience with work. Like I didn't have the kind of I guess I'll say silver spoon pedigree academically that a lot of people I work with did. And I had some shadow around that. So there's been a lot of that kind of stuff that's been coming up for me that I've been now actively working on rejecting because I do love who I am and I believe in who I am. And I've been rejecting some of those parts of Mm -hmm. myself. I'm curious about the rejection part and how does that support you? Like, how does that work? Do you mean like, how does the rejecting it support me? Like, why do I do it? Does it? Does it support you? No, it doesn't support (laughs) me at all. (laughs) It doesn't. It makes me feel like I was not my authentic self. Mm -hmm. And I've also learned your people exist. Mm -hmm. And so I've been thinking about that a lot too. Like it's about aligning with the right people or the right kinds of programs or projects because they do exist, but it's okay if not everyone is your people. Yeah. You know? And how does like, when you notice yourself rejecting a part of you, I don't know how like in real time it works out for you, but is it a feeling that you get? And then what do you do in that moment when you notice yourself trying to hide or shrink or, you know, this is not who I really am? For me, it starts from the onset with just showing up as my full self from the beginning. And I find that if I just do that, and that's a very easy step, then the rest just falls into place. And I don't then get into those spaces. Do you know what I mean? So it sounds like you have it really rooted in your system and like you're anchored in that feeling of what it means to be fully yourself. You know, there's a part like you don't want to go back to where you've been before. And I think that's really powerful. I mean, in any situation, if you can ground yourself in your intention with when you show up to a meeting, when you show up to a date, when whatever you're doing in your life, then it's easier for you to stay in that space. But that's where presence and intention and consciousness comes in because yeah. we don't always create the space for ourselves. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with that. And I see it a lot, even in other women and in, in coaching that I do too, where it can be so simple to take little steps to be more of your authentic self. Sometimes it's just communicating something that's on your mind that you feel really uncomfortable communicating mm-hmm. in terms of you know, how you felt in a certain situation or what your role is or clarifying that. And I think that there are really easy steps to just be ourselves. We are all <laughs> humans. We're all trying to do our best. And I really believe that. So I think that there's a lot of kind of simple ways to do it. Yeah. Something that you were, I mean, you just brought it up again, that when I hear you share, it's like, we talk about being the other or being different. And I connected with so many women on that. Mm. And there's a part of me that feels like it's the patriarchy, it's sexism, because that's it, right? That sexism is one group of people based on gender being better than the other. And so 
when we talk about women and we talk about all of us have this, not all of us, but a lot of us, at least me and you right now, maybe some (laughs) of the people that are listening have this belief of, yeah, I've never felt like I fit in. That's really interesting to me of like, okay, this could just be this cultural societal thing that we've all succumbed to. It's not true, but oppression is a part of the reality that we live in and what makes certain people successful. Yeah, definitely. And I think that for women in particular, we are conditioned in some ways to feel like if we want to be successful, we need to act like a man. And I mean, a man means many different things, but like that stereotypical alpha male energy that we need to embody that in order to be successful. And we just don't. I was actually speaking to someone last week who is at this really pivotal point in their career and looking to get to the next level and take on more management responsibility. And this person said, I've realized that I think there's some resistance around wanting to do that because I feel like I need to give up parts of myself that I like, the parts of myself that are fun, that has camaraderie with other people that I work with, for example. It does such a disservice when we believe we need to be that way or when we're being told we need to be that way and give up those more fun parts of ourselves because we can be successful, happy, fulfilled, and be totally ourselves. I do believe that. Me too. And it reminds me, honestly, of what you were saying earlier of now when I enter a business meeting or whatever that might be, I'm grounded in who I am because I've had a situation with a company I used to work for and I was not okay with my rate being lowered. And I was met with the companies owned by men and I was met with a lot of resistance and... Later, I was talking to another coworker, you know, she heard that like, she was like, yeah, when you asked for a higher rate or when you said no to their negotiation of trying to bring you down, you became the bitch. Mm -hmm. And it was such a interesting feeling because I remember feeling like, oh my God, I can't believe there was like a little bit of like shame, I think around it of like, wow, this is who I am. I'm not supposed to be this way as a woman or, you know, there's whatever, all these things that we tell ourselves. And ultimately, the only way that I was able to move through that and be okay, I no longer work with that company because we couldn't agree on a rate is because I got to remember what's important to me. But if I wasn't clear that my work is worth this rate, I've been doing this work for a certain amount of time, I might've really believed that story and like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I wasn't uncooperative. You know, I could have been a little bit kinder or, you know, more in my feminine energy, but instead I'm like, no, this is what my work is worth. And that's interesting that that belief came up for them or that was what was said about me, but I don't have to uh, be enrolled by that belief because I'm coming back into being grounded in who I am. And I know what I'm worth. I know what my work is worth as well. Yeah. 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 That makes so much sense. Tactical way to turn your intention into action. Mm -hmm. So, so far you've talked about building an awareness around when negative self-talk comes up and separating it from yourself and saying, oh, this other kind of persona, this is this other person talking so that you can build some awareness and separate it. And you've talked about taking action like you just did, which I think is so powerful. Is there anything else that you do or that you would recommend to help women both identify and then start to release negative self-talk or negative beliefs? So two things come up for me, which is one is the proof. 
because when you take action right and you get evidence back is feedback back from whatever that action might be. Sometimes the feedback can be like, for my instance, was like, you're a bitch and you're hard to work with. And so instead I had to look for companies and people and friendships and family and people I could speak to that gave me the proof of what I needed. And so that took what you were mentioning earlier is just being open and honest and willing to share what, how I'm feeling, what's going on and giving myself the proof that I needed. Sometimes there's something about our brains that need that like reward of, you know, I'm trying to build this habit. I'm trying to build this thought, whatever it is. And if I see the proof that it's working, then it's easier for me to come back into that space. And then part of proof to me is yes, like programming your brain to recognize that you've done something good. It feels good. This is right. And then the next level of that is embodiment, which would be to me, which is breath work, is really being able to feel in your body, in your breath, that opening that we were talking about. And what came up in the breath work session that we did together oh was, yeah, it was amazing. It was truly a spiritual experience. It was. It really was. It was. I can try my best to explain it. And it, for me, what it was is an opening And that was what, two weeks ago, was it? About two weeks ago, About two weeks ago. And since then, I just felt so open and alive. And my, I like even, you know, every time I think about it, my shoulders go back, my heart lifts a little bit because that's my power place of just being open. I have wings also in my, like in my, how I see myself. Visualization. (laughs) Exactly. And then since then, right, there's life happens. And there's, I've noticed even that day, wanting to shrink Mm -hmm. and having these opportunities where I noticed myself shrinking and, okay, I know what it feels like to be open and to be big and to be powerful and to be connected to my highest self. And that doesn't feel like this. How can I, even in the situations that feels like it's putting pressure on me to shrink, how can I still stay open? To me, I think breath work gives us the opportunity to access that, to feel it. And like, this is it. I'm here. I'm arrived. I am everything that I need. There's nothing that you can't tell me nothing from this place. And when you can get access to that, that's the proof that you need that we need. I think sometimes I know I need it. The proof, this is where I'm meant to be. And coming back to that place, letting that be my reminder of I can be there. What's stopping me from being there though? I love that. And I I agree with the proof. And I think that, you know, sometimes I recommend just even journaling around when was a time where you felt like this before? How did you get through? What was something that you were proud of and how you handled it? And I love then taking it to breath work too, because I think that one of the things that has been helpful for me is really living in, even if it's just for a moment, that feeling of release and elation you get through breath work and holding it in your mind so that you can go back to that when you're feeling so not in that space anymore and kind of being able to recall that feeling. Totally. I want to talk a little bit about what breath work is and how it works too, because I think that a lot of people haven't maybe tried it yet. And I want to get more into it. I've loved my experiences with it because I do have a hard time doing like silent meditations. I'm not great at it. And I've also found that breath work provides this incredible, incredible release and breakthrough. So can you talk a little bit about what it is and what's happening? Yeah. So basically there's 
a lot of different types of breath work. So sometimes people will be familiar with something like pranayama from yoga, like a fire breath or a lion's breath. The type of breath work that I, I mean, I do all types of breath work, but my favorite type of breath work is similar to a holotropic breath work, or some people call it transformational breath work. There's a million different names, but basically what I love the most is taking it's a two-part inhale, one long exhale. Sometimes what I like to do is really to like take myself to an edge is I like to do three inhales and that's more of like Wim Hof's breath work method. So he breathes into your belly, into your top chest, all the way up into your brain and then you breathe out. And that for me just, it's the two part, but it's like a little extra of like, oh, actually I can take in a little bit more air. So essentially you're you're taking in, you're doing this in and out through your mouth because you want to take in more air, more oxygen. A lot of the time our body is in a acidic state. And so when we are taking in that much air and CO2, we're moving our body into and our blood into an alkaline state. And so that can feel like in the physical body, you might start feeling, you know, t- uh, tingling throughout the body. You might feel even a lightheadedness because you're taking in so much CO2. Um, you might feel like a cramping. And then obviously there's also a lot of emotions that can come up through the practice because you're opening, clearing out. And so things are finally coming up to the surface. Mm-hmm. And something that I loved about what you shared from your last breathwork experience, which is one of my favorite reasons why I breathe is because you're meeting yourself exactly where you're at in the practice. And you're basically asking yourself, am I going to break through this? What am I going to do in this moment? And that is so powerful for me because, you know, when I'm going through my day, I might not be as tuned into that. Like, how am I going to show up? But when I give myself that space in a breathwork practice, I have an hour to breathe. Like, how do I want to show up in this moment? And to be able to keep breathing when it's hard, to be able to say like, no, I know I'm stronger than this. And I'm going to say, I can do this in that moment is a breakthrough. And then you feel it, right? You feel the opening, your body is tingling. Mm -hmm. Something shifts in you because you proved to yourself, you gave yourself the proof in that moment, I can do this. And then what happens when you say, I can do this to yourself is a whole nother thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, there's the physiological of moving your body from acidic to neutralized. And then also, yeah, it's like this training for showing yourself that you can do things that are hard and you can overcome things that are hard. So in this most recent breathwork experience that we did, it was so beautiful because I think there was probably 50 people laying on the beach and you know, a lot of people didn't know each other. Some people came together like us, but for the most part, this was a group of strangers. And we began, and this is intense work. At least this experience was not like, you know, some light breathing. It was uh, very powerful. And over time, you know, you kind of would hear around you, people began weeping, people began crying, people began shouting, and we're all having these releases together. And then there was like this sense of elation afterward too. For me, when I started breathing, I definitely felt like this sucks. I don't want to keep breathing. Why did I come here? I don't want to keep doing this. And then you just reach a turning point and you feel elation. Because you didn't give up. Yeah. And I have taught hundreds of classes. I mean, I feel like thousands of people, maybe not, but I've taught so many people over the past few years and there's people that give up, right? And that's okay. That sometimes it's like, it's not your day. I've had breathwork sessions where I'm just taking it super slow. And 
it's the choice that you have in that moment of like, what do I really want to get out of this? Because when we do give up, like we give up in life on our dreams, whatever the, like, you know, when we just give in to the negative self-talk, like we were talking about earlier, it's just, we don't get the breakthrough because we're not showing ourselves something different. We're just doing the same thing we've always done. And so that's where the true like shift opening, whatever you want to call it happens because you were like, I'm not giving up today. Like this sucks and I'm going to keep going anyways. I love that in the context of one of the things I remind myself all the time, and I really believe this, that anything is how you do everything. Mm -hmm. And in this context, I found myself wanting to say like, yeah, you want to keep trying, but actually I don't want to use that word. And I don't think that's a great word to use. And there's lots of language stuff about not saying trying, but really what it is, is showing up to something that's hard, whether it's breath work or some other kind of thing that you're being challenged with and just giving your all and putting your heart into it, whatever that means for you. And I think the breathwork practice is a great example of how you do anything is how you do everything. Totally. I agree. I think that it's just one of the most beautiful ways to meet yourself and, you know, taking, I think our session was probably like an hour long, but you can do shorter sessions. And a lot of the sessions I teach are a little bit shorter because, you know, we all like to kind of get in and get out nowadays, but it doesn't matter what you do. If it's 30 minutes, an hour, or if it's five or 10 minutes, you can still get so much. Mm -hmm. If you have the intention of like, I'm going to breathe for five minutes and I'm going to show the fuck up and I'm not going to play because I have five minutes right now and I'm Uh going to go for it. And I want to be reminded of how powerful I am and how strong I am. Yeah. Could you do a very quick demo of like how someone could do that breath that you were talking about. Yes. If someone wants to is listening right now and, and wants to just do a few breaths or take five minutes. Yes. So with this breath work, I'm under the belief that when you first start practicing, it's really good to be with someone. Yeah. So I will do a few rounds and with the thought of like, it is activating, like you said, and it is opening. And I think, and I, I mean, it can bring up so much from our past And so I really believe that people, you know, go find someone that does holotropic breath work, Wim Hof's method or transformational breath work, whether it's virtually, you can, you can find me or you can find another practitioner because when you are opening yourself like that, and really you're also, you're triggering your nervous system to really activate. And then at the end, you're going back into a parasympathetic nervous, your nervous system of like rest and digest. But when you're doing that, it can be like, if you don't feel supported and you don't have someone there for you, it can be a little like, okay, like, you know, I, I've got my own back, but I also like want to have someone loving up on me and, and someone that has the experience. So I'll just say that first. But simply, I always ask everyone to join me by placing one hand on your belly and then one hand up on your top chest. And the first step is really just to notice your breath and how it's moving in your body. And even in this to me is like always like so powerful of just like, oh, I don't feel my breath as much in my belly or I feel a little bit more in my heart. So just bringing that awareness into your body. And then we can take a big breath in as deeply as you can into your diaphragm, filling up with as much air as possible and then hold the breath at the very top of your inhale. So we'll breathe in. Even more air, hold here. If you can, a little more air. And then let a big breath go with a big sigh open mouth sigh. And then the pattern would be to 
keep your mouth open, softening through the jaw, opening up, creating space in the mouth, and then breathing deep into your belly, breathing up through your heart, all the way up through your mind, and then breathing out. And it's that simple. I mean, for me, when I do that right now, it's just coming back into my body and my body is present. My body is here. Thank you for doing that. I'm going to do that more after you leave. And I'm going to definitely continue to do breath work and release. One of the other things that we have been talking about in the context of what we're looking to release and what we're kind of examining right now is how we as women look at ourselves in comparison to other women, whether that's in our lives or out in the ether and the judgment and comparison and all of that, that comes along with that and how we release that. And I'd love to get your take to share here on what do you think's happening there? How do you feel like that's coming up? You know, the, it's so funny when you ask that. All I'm hearing is Beyonce has this song. She's actually quoting a woman. So what comes up is this quote from the book, We Should All Be Feminist. It's also in Beyonce's song, Flawless. And it says, we teach girls to shrink themselves, to make themselves smaller. We say to girls, you can have ambition, but not too much. You should aim to be successful, but not too successful. Otherwise, you would threaten the man. Because I am female, I am expected to aspire to marriage. I'm expected to make life choices always in keeping in mind that marriage is the most important. So I'll end it there. The book is amazing and it's a really quick, fast read too. So I highly recommend everyone check it out. But why that comes up for me, I think, is because we're oftentimes, and it's different in each culture, but we're all trying to compete to be married, right? Like that's like the very old belief. I mean, for years and centuries. And like when you watch shows, it's all about, oh, she's so fair and she's like the fairest bride, et cetera. Like that seems so old, but I think it still plays a role in the way that we see marriage today and how we even see women. So I think that there's like little bits of that that's there. It kind of sounds strange, but I do believe that that's part of it. And when I think of, to me, it's, you know, marriage is such a, it's such a construct now and things are so open, like so different and we can make anything what we want, right? But that's also true with the way that we see other women. And I think we were talking a little bit about seeing other women as an opportunity for us to feel inspired by rather than like us competing for a man, whatever that might be, or a job or et cetera. It's like, this woman in front of me is showing me what's possible. And I think, you know, I'm not really sure what, maybe it's to get you there, right? Because that's like kind of a big step. If you're seeing women as competition, the biggest thing to me is like, we're all connected. And so if one person isn't winning or one person is struggling, that's part of me that's struggling too. That's just something I believe. And that comes, obviously, that's so important with women. I think we need each other. We get each other. That's why I love working with women because I never feel more fulfilled than when I'm with women, seeing them go through the same struggles I've gone through. Because, you know, this is such a vast generalization, but my male clients, you know, all the stuff I teach them doesn't resonate quite the way that it does with women of like us really needing to love ourselves and know what it means to be compassionate to ourselves. You know, I talked to my dad about that and he's like, what? (laughs) It's like, and he's starting to kind of 
be like, oh, this is an interesting idea. I've never thought of that ever in my life. But women, we get it. So that's what I think is, I think that that maybe might be where it comes from of like the struggle of, you know, this has always been the way of us having to compete. And then when you start opening yourself up to more women, when you start letting yourself be heard by more women, when you start listening to other women, you're like, we are the same. How can we all win together? We've been oppressed and we've been put down and we've been told we're not enough. And the only way for us to get through that is not one woman getting through it. It's all of us coming together and recognizing, like, I kind of think we've been put down because we're the most powerful beings in, in existence. So let's all come together and move forward. I know that was a really long I think answer. that that's really interesting. And I think that, I mean, even if we go back to what we know about epigenetics and our experiences being passed down through generations, it makes sense that maybe there's some of that kind of you know, marriage programming, finding a mate that even though we don't see it as much in our modern world, that like is programmed in us, in our DNA from so many generations. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. One of the other things that I think about with this is not so much with competition, but more with comparison, because I think that like so many of us are ambitious and, but also trying to figure everything out and feel like, I think I actually used this analogy with you the other day, but sometimes I have felt like I'm this like loaded gun of potential and I need to find a way to get it all out. And I think a lot of women are figuring that out. And I think that in that process, women will look at others who are maybe further ahead than them or have achieved something that they want to achieve. And I think that it's kind of, for me, been two parts of reconciling with that. One is everything you just talked about with all of that awareness and recognizing how we are so connected. And the other is in action. I think there's real actions that we can take when we are having access to, or even just seeing, having visibility into women who we admire, who you know are further along on the path that we want to be on and opening those doors and not being afraid to reach out mm-hmm. to ask them questions. That is yeah. something that in the past few years I have seen and experienced so much of women who I have really looked up to, who you know have achieved amazing things that I look up to, becoming mentors, being willing to talk, you know, sometimes just via cold outreach or someone connecting me that's, you know, three degrees removed. Women are willing to help each other. I mean, I think men too, there's some, you know, we can take that role on too of like, how can we learn from each other instead of comparing ourselves to each other? I think that that's huge. And it also kind of reminds me of the negative self-talk in a way, because I remember when I first started my business and I felt so like, oh my God, like I can't reach out to these people. Like this is I don't have anything like under my belt at that point. And I did it anyways, but there was so much fear that came up, but I did it anyways. I took the action and it was amazing because all of the, not all, not all were, you know, but I think that that was my lesson of like, okay, when someone does reject you, how can I still stay open? Right. Even though I feel that like pressure to shrink and the majority of the people that I did reach out to were like, I would love to do an interview with you. I would love to speak with you about this. I love because we need each other. And that's what we recognize, I think, in each other. Like, we need each other. We see like parts of, I truly believe, someone told me this once. It also feels really good to believe this, I think, is that when I see like something magical in someone else, I believe that everyone's our mirror. Mm-hmm. And so when I see a woman that's on fire, I'm like, damn, I'm on fire too. Yeah. <laughs> 
because I see that in her. So that must be in me somewhere. Definitely. I totally believe that. And think about it. It's why some people in your life or that you see, you aren't like in any way triggered positively or negatively by because you just have no resonance with their path or what they have or what they've achieved. Mm -hmm. But then others, you're like, wow, like that's amazing. Or wow, I really want to do that. You're feeling that spark because you have it in yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's like those, you know, in the beginning, we were talking a little bit about intuition and those are like the intuition hits or like yeah. the little pings that we're getting that are like, ooh, pay attention yeah. to this. Oh, what do you like about this? Ooh, what do you want in this? And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for showing me that it's possible. Is that what I, that's what I'm imagining myself. And that's what I'm in the practice of is like to anyone I might compare myself to online, social media, whatever. For some reason, I'm thinking Oprah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all the work that you've done to pave the way for other people that look like you, that look like me doing what you do. Thank you. Thank you for showing me what's possible because without the women before us, you know, they did a lot of the hard work, right? Yeah. And so we're still doing hard work, but it's also like, I think gratitude is like the antidote to like most things in my life, but especially with women, it's all showing me anything. If whether it's like a fitness person or like a mindfulness person or a teacher or a businesswoman, I'm like, oh my God, they're just, they've done it mm-hmm. and they're getting it that means I can do it too, Mm -hmm. you know? Yes, yes, definitely. And I would say like in that action piece, like if you do have access to someone or maybe you want to just try reaching out, like think of someone or think about that person you may already be thinking about or comparing yourself to, ask them for guidance, get their story, ask them how they did it. Turn that kind of intimidation into curiosity. Mm -hmm. And I think even when there are situations in whatever arena where you feel some rejection ask why, use that as a learning experience. Not everyone's going to respond to you or give you that information. But a lot of times when you do get a no on something, whether it be a project, working with something, like there's so many different ways this could look. Don't kind of shy away from like, oh, okay. Like they said no, but just really dig into why and what you can learn. And it will feel a lot different. Yeah. That like question, I mean, you use my favorite word, which is curiosity. And then the curiosity, the question is, what am I learning from this? What is this trying to teach me? What am I being pointed towards or led to? Because that's to me, like rejection is, is definitely guiding me towards something or when I'm feeling rejection, it's definitely leaning me towards something that maybe I'm trying to avoid. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. One thing that I want to cover quickly, because we talked about it in the beginning was the ritualizing this fire ceremony. If anyone listening wants to do their own fire ceremony and use that as an opportunity to release, can you talk about how someone can do that and set that up? Yes. So I was introduced this practice. I'm not sure like a long time ago, but it was in a different way. It was called writing and burning. And so I would set a timer for 10 minutes and write down like all of the thoughts that were in my brain. And then I would just simply burn the piece of paper. So it can be as simple as that. Finding a place that you can safely burn something. I've learned a lot of lessons from burning incense and, you know, all that kind of stuff is finding a place like even the bath is really great or somewhere like there's earth. We did it all fancy. We had a little fire pit. We we lit a fire and... I think a lot of times we want to do it right. There's no right way. We know this now. There's no right way, but it comes down to setting the intention of, okay, I'm going to create a ritual around releasing these thoughts, releasing this comparison, releasing whatever it might be 
fears, worries, et cetera. And I'm going to do this tonight. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to allow myself to experience how it is, whatever comes up through me. I'm just going to be present with the experience. So a way to start is doing something like writing and burning, setting a timer and writing out all those things. If you don't like timers, just write out whatever is present for you and take some time to really keep writing. I think I like the timer because it pushes me to write a little bit more than I would. And so having that structure helps me and getting out as much as I can, even if it's kind of wild, even if it's strange, even if it's almost like these not even believable to you once you've gotten it on the paper, but sometimes we just need to do that purge. And why I love fire is because you can see it and you can feel it from my experience is when I burn that paper, I'm setting the intention that this is gone. And that if you're present with it, if you really watch the flame as it kind of soaks up the words and eats up the words and you watch the smoke as it floats up into the sky, it's, I think that the more we can just be in that moment, the more the intention really can come out. It's like whatever you want to allow yourself to feel, you'll feel it. So if you go in like, I'm going to feel this release, I think it's a great way to bring in some of the elements. And I love fire being one of the, I mean, it's just something in me that I love. And also part of the fire ceremony too can be like, what am I opening up to now that I've released this thing? And I, I do think, I honestly do this a lot on my own time, like just by myself. And that's just literally me writing it burning a piece of paper, like in a little ashtray, but it's really, or, and it's really fun to be able to do it. It was so beautiful to be able to do it, you know, with a small, like safe group of people, because like to have your fears heard is, I love it. I don't know what it is because it makes me feel like I don't have to hide and that it's okay that I feel shitty and that I don't know what I'm doing and that whatever, like my self-talk might be that in that particular ceremony and that other people are like nodding at me and like, yeah, I feel that too. It's not who I am, but I've had that feeling and being seen and heard in that way. I think even if you can just call a friend while you do it and just sharing like, this is what's here, no judgment. I just want to be heard, I think is super powerful. Yeah. And I feel like it takes the power away from the fear. Mm -hmm. It does. It does because that's it is like the fear wants to hide and wants to be like covered and wants to run away and is like resistant. But when we like shine a light on it, like a loving light of compassion, whatever that is being heard by someone else, like bringing it up to the surface, that's where it's like, oh, it's actually not that bad. It's kind of like the, I don't know, belief that I was saying earlier. It's like, actually I can do this, but it's just that thing that hasn't been addressed, seen, heard. Yeah. Yeah. We always end the podcast with what life experience has been your greatest teacher. You answered that question last time. And so since it's your second time, I'd love if you could share what is life teaching you right now? Right now, I think life is teaching me patience and trust because I'm in this space of waiting and waiting not in a, I know that sometimes maybe waiting can be a, I don't know, we can put meaning on any word, right? But for me, it's like waiting and opening myself up that when I'm open, when I'm strong, my heart is open, when I feel connected to myself and really truly in alignment with myself, that so much can open bigger than I can ever imagine. And so trust is there, like trusting that all the dreams I have, actually life is going to be way, way better than that. And it's like, you know, maybe I'm not there yet, 
And maybe I don't have all the answers now, but it's not about having all the answers. It's about how I feel and how connected I am to myself. And so for me, I think life is really asking me to get into a place of deep, deep trust and surrender to anything that it has to offer me by like in the means of me connecting back to myself, connecting back to myself, connecting back to myself. Because when I'm there, when I'm connected to myself, I can make decisions that feel good, that feel clear. And that I'm like, oh, I I know that this is right rather than, I don't know, is this right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that right now life is like, you have no idea what's possible. So as you open up and allow like your dreams to be answered and all your desires to be even bigger, keep coming back into your home, back into your breath, back into that place where you feel connected and powerful um, because that's when you can attract those huge, big, massive, vast, beautiful, expansive desires and goals. I love that. Yeah. I love it. Well, if someone listening wants to work with you or learn more about your work, where's the best place for them to go? So my website, I have like all my stuff on HaleyLot.com. I do one-on-one breathwork sessions. I also do a monthly women's circle too. And it's amazing. So you can find me at HaleyLot.com or my Instagram, which is at HaleyLot underscore. Yeah. All right. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll share all that in the show notes and we'll, we'll share on Instagram and everything when we release this too. Thank you so much, Haley. Of course. Thank you. That was so fun. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review or share it with a friend and hit subscribe. So you never miss a show.